Welcome to E20, your unofficial EastEnders podcast. I'm head of security because according to Ruby, I don't need to be trained in that area. Emma. And like Ruby and Martin, I'm taking the plunge straight off a cliff because I'm sick to death of Ruby. (laughs) (laughs) Hannah, so what we got coming up this week, Emma? This week we will be chatting all about Jean's seduction of Phil to Ben's point of view episode. But first... Here's the jingle. Dun, 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 You ain't my mother. Yes, I am. Get out of my pub. You need a slapping den. You bitch. You cow. Look at your coat. Hello, princess. Frank. Stace. Please in the fridge. Sausage surprise. Hope you enjoyed the fireworks. Good night. It's all over, Emma. It's coming to an end. It's so sad. But we wrote a song. It's, it's the, the end of EastEnders. But we're not going anywhere. We'll be watching Red Water. Classic episodes and solving mysteries. We hope you liked our little song there. Our eulogy to the end of EastEnders. I never thought this day would come. Yeah, did I? Do you remember when we literally joked and we were like, <laughs> we'll be doing this podcast till we're old and grey? Because we've never going to run out of episodes. Oh, this no. is the one topic you'll never run out of episodes on. That's what we were laughing about when we created this podcast. We we're like, oh, well, we never have to worry about it possibly stopping because it just yeah. continues all the time. I was expecting you to send us to be here when we've got flying cars and everything. Yeah. But I mean, it's not the real end, though, is it, Emma? Thankfully not. <laughs> So EastEnders have got, as we're recording, they've got four episodes left. But as this goes out, we'll only have two left. (gasps) So we have our fanfic, the last two chapters out next week. And then our last roundup for now. For now. For now. (laughs) The week after. And then after that, we've got some plans. So we will be doing Red Water, which you can find on Netflix and you can watch along with us and enjoy the roundups for those so we'll have red water one week which will be kicking off straight after the roundups the week after we will be discussing the two classic episodes that eastenders have shown over those two weeks and with those episodes we'll be doing some unsolved mysteries in them too and of course there might also be a sprinkling of other little surprises along the way but we could never say (laughs) Our lips are sealed for now. <laughs> but whilst we still have EastEnders, let's do that roundup. So, Connor, I've had a thought. Really? I feel like we're very traditional. Oh, oh, okay. Well, it's funny you should say that because I was thinking we're a bit boring. Well, how about we bring our best friend who we've never mentioned at all? You know, for years, he's been our best friend, Chris. Oh, yeah, Chris, Chris. Yeah. Never seen him, never talked about him, never have any photos with him, don't ever address him. But yeah, Chris, best friend. Chris could come and join us. I think that would spice things up perfectly. And that is all we're going to say about that strange ass storyline. That was odd. That That was was so weird. weird. I never thought, I never thought that he sent us to do a storyline about a threesome. 
But I just don't know how it fitted into the week either. It didn't even fit into the storyline it was meant to, never mind around the stuff that they already had on screen. You had Ben's deafness, Keegan's <laughs> important storyline, Sharon and Caden. Yeah. Yeah, we'll shove that in the middle. That's great. Yeah, of course, because that makes sense, Emma. Just as equally as important is Ruby's sex life. <laughs> and that's all you're going to get on that topic. So on with Ruby's actual storyline. So she was checking out Mel's house, number 43. She wants to move in. I've got something to say about that, Emma. Um, that's sacrilegious to me. That's Mel's house. That should be left as a shrine. You know, everyone knows, listening, Mel is basically our patron saint. Her and Lisa and Portugal should be sanctified, as far as we're concerned. And Boobie taking her house. It just means... It just means an end to Mel. <gasps> Well, I don't want to hurt you some more here while you're down. But Ruby did say it needed a lot of work done. (gasps) I know. Who does she think she is? I thought the house was pretty spotless. I know. How? Listen, I have you know, the last person to live in there was Lisa. And more Lisa would not leave that place a doss heap. She She would have that place spick and span. Dare she say that? Who does she think she is? Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen. I just love that Jack... Is like half police officer and also half estate agent. He is the pillar of that community. It, well, it's more than that now, Emma. He's running everyone's jobs. He's he doing is every the community. Business. He is the community. He's doing the chicken shop down the road. He's sorting out people's real estate. He's, you know, he's everywhere, Emma. He is basically God in this situation, I think. And God's never looked more handsome. Ruby clearly thought it so too, because... Talk about keeping her in the family. She's going straight for Max's brother now. I felt I had a little flirt. Yes. I was like, uh, uh, <laughs> it's one thing, you you know, trying to jump onto Stacey's man when she's away. But don't you be coming for war Denise's man. So Jack confronts Max about moving out, saying he didn't tell me. <laughs> what a way to find out you're dumped because. Yeah. <laughs> well, Max, you ain't moving in with Ruby, are you? <laughs> I did love it. Like, can you imagine that being in real life? You get a phone call from your real estate. So how's the move going? <laughs> what move? <laughs> Where? <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is awkward. <laughs> I loved it. Everyone else knew that Max and Ruby were basically over since like last year. And yet Max kind of just continued chugging along, didn't he? Pretending that there was going to be some sort of relationship. Max was living yeah. in some hope there, but... Oh, yeah. No, no one else really had it. <laughs> I have to say, Ruby's become a little bit ruthless when it comes to love, isn't she? Because she's kind of like, I'm not even going to bother to tell him. I know. I'm just going to move out. <laughs> Taking Ghost into the next level. Yeah, yeah. Next, she'll just live in a different part of London. <laughs> just yeah, she'll tell just move him. countries. Yeah. <laughs> she'll just keep taking it to next levels. She'll just be like, one minute she'll move to a different part of London, then to a different city, then to a different country. Then to a different planet and so on and so forth, yeah. Every time Max finds her, she keeps going. I do feel like Max is like a little kid, like running, wait for me, Ruby, wait for me, like chasing after her. Can I come around and play, Ruby? It is that, isn't it? It's so funny. Ruby's just, come on, Max, you knew that Ruby was out of your league when you started dating her. I'm sure he has talents, but he's Max. Speaking of talent, Emma, someone has a talent on the square. <laughs> someone has a talent for delivery. Right. 
So the delivery guy mm. walked right past Ruby's. Walked yeah. right past every single person on that market. Straight to Martin to ask where Ruby's was. How convenient. He's just got one of them faces, doesn't he, Emma? He's got one of them faces that says, he'll know. (laughs) (laughs) Funny that, isn't it? I love how he just bypassed everyone and thought, ah, yep, this guy, this guy. Yeah, he'll know. How convenient that Ruby had just offered him a job the other week and he was going to go and see her anyway. (gasps) Amazing. It's almost like, (laughs) almost like it was deliberate. No. Maybe that's what Ruby's actually doing. That's my theory, right? That actually Ruby's hired this delivery man, not to send a parcel or anything. That box is empty. That box is empty. She's hired him to go over to Martin, to give him this box, convince him to go deliver it so that her and Martin can have a conversation she can have a flirt. I think that is 100% correct. There you go. One unsolved mystery solved. Because Martin wasn't answering about the whole security thing, she's went, I know a way to get him around. I don't want Max. I want Martin because Stacey's had all of them as well. And I've already been with her brother. So I want to try these. (laughs) So this is how I'm going to get them. (laughs) She knows how to get her men. She just tries different tactics each time. Yeah. I mean, she's crafty. I'll I'll give her that. She's crafty. Do you know what it's like? You know when like Amazon recommends an item? Like that's what it's like, isn't it? Like (laughs) Stacey's the recommendation. Yeah. If Stacey likes them and slept with them, even touch them even, Ruby goes, I'll have one of them. So Martin goes up to Ruby's to give a special delivery because, yeah, you know, nice. the delivery guy couldn't find Ruby's. Hey, yeah. would, if that needed to be signed for, you really should have gave it to Ruby. You know, it's like one of them horror stories, isn't it? Where like your neighbour takes your parcel and then you've got to have that awkward situation where you've got to go round. Oh, I hate and, like, it. Like, Do you have my parcel? <laughs> Yeah, it's I, awkward it's so awkward can i have my my things back now because yeah you've got to wait you're like are they gonna come around and say we've got your parcel yeah. or do you have to go hello you you kind of have I my don't... stuff what is that that moment where you're like do i go around is it weird if i go around so quickly because yeah. i'm actually in the house it's like i'm upstairs i've just missed it is it too soon to knock <laughs> yeah <laughs> I don't want to go out and look like a liar now, like I was like hiding from the postman. It's so weird. <laughs> the thoughts of an anxious mind. <laughs> By Connor and Emma. <laughs> so Martin has that moment, except he's very excited to do it because, you know, apparently movies happening. Much to our disgust. I will not say a word on that. Um, I feel like this is uh, the worst thing in the world. I'm not happy. <laughs> I am that meme. I'm leaving everyone. I'm leaving. <laughs> Here's my flowers. <laughs> See, I think I'm probably that Gemma Collins meme where it's like, get that fire door exit open. I'm off. <laughs> oh, and Nikki's like, I hate it. I can't. I, I feel like it's an injustice. The movie storyline, you say, that's my problem. Yeah. I feel like it's an injustice to every character involved in it. Mm. It's an injustice to Stacey. It's an injustice to Martin. It's an in, it's certainly an injustice to Ruby. Certainly an injustice. But we'll get into that later when we decipher her history. We've said it before. We'll say it again. We're team Martin and Stacey. We shall not be moved. We shall not be taking the plunge. And if Martin and Ruby decide they are going to take the plunge, well, 
Alle unbabes say best. You should have drowned. Drowned, sure. I'll get you going. <laughs> oh, don't get a cold, because no one, no mountain would be black leather. <laughs> yeah. Let's not go down that path as well. That was a dark time. Back on dark track. Point. Back on track. <laughs> <laughs> we digressed. Comes in with a delivery, and she apparently reads them like a book. So when that started, because yeah. that's never happened. What book is that? <laughs> like, Mr. Men, <laughs> Mr. Smiley. <laughs> like, what, what book is that? Like, because really, I, I'm not reading the same book. I'm reading, you know, The Philosopher's Stone. You're reading, I don't know, like, Where's Wally? Because that is not my Martin. So after she reads them like a book, whatever book that may be, she asks about the whole security offer she gave him. Mm. Yeah, because, you know, she's deciding she's going to turn the page and enter a new chapter. A new chapter in movies history. I know, Emma. I know. We're here for the long haul, though. Are we? (laughs) Well, we did say we'd leave the country. (laughs) (laughs) If movie happened, we'd leave the country, so we might have to once lockdown's over. (laughs) Um, Yes, she decides she's going to start this new chapter. And naturally, because he tackled a 12-year-old boy, that new chapter begins with asking him about being the head of her security. Oh, yeah. He's not just going to be security. He's going to be the head of security. He doesn't need any qualifications or training for that. He just needs to tackle a young boy stealing a pineapple, and that's good enough for her. She can have him at her place, heading up her two members of security. Yes! I love that. Head of security. There's only two bouncers. <laughs> There's only two bouncers. Why? That's too much for Ruby to manage. <laughs> She's a very busy woman. Why is Ruby our fan fiction character? <laughs> you know, where we're like, right, see ya. <laughs> Callum, look after the bar. Can't run the Vic. <laughs> and naturally, you know, when you're head of security, what sort of things do you think that position will entail? Well... I would personally think it would be checking who's coming in. Because we all know whoever was on the door a few weeks ago did let Bobby in with Peter's passport. So maybe that's why she needs a head of security. (laughs) I think what she needs is just to go to Specsavers. No, Barnard Castle. You know know the score. Oh, yeah, true, true. When your eyes are dodged, just go to Barnard's Castle. Hey, Dominic. We don't forget. (laughs) Whilst I would think that's what would be happening you know manning the doors manning the people coming in checking everyone's well safe well ruby would say get behind the bar because that makes sense doesn't it martin has no qualifications for you know serving drinks making cocktails nothing like that um but then again he didn't have any sort of security credentials either so it makes sense total sense what happened to billy didn't billy work there and karen where are they? They're all gone. Now. They're all gone. <laughs> I don't remember them ever leaving, though. Did she just fire them as soon as she took over the place and didn't say anything? No, because she was the one that said Karen could come work with her. Could work. And she kept Unstop Billy mystery, on. Let's find it out. Yep, write that down. <laughs> write that one down. When did Karen leave? When well, I guess Karen... Karen is technically, well, leaving. Well, oh, she's, yeah, She's true. not, but, you know, with the whole Caden thing. But she... Was there, and Billy would still be there because Billy's not wanting to leave. 
I love Billy. He just wanders in and out of scenes. Bless him now. So back on track to, to Ruby's uh, hiring of Martin. Yes, he's got the very important security job of making sure the drinks are flowing. <laughs> and when I say that, he's also pouring himself a couple. As Even you do. better, right, guys? <laughs> Even better. So Martin gets hired. And then when he went off to give Ruby the special delivery. His special delivery. Of himself. <laughs> <laughs> Martin and yeah. Stacey. Whatever. Hashtag Maisie. Hashtag Maisie. Hashtag Maisie. Hashtag Maisie. <laughs> <laughs> subtle, but not subtle. <laughs> EastEnders, listen to us. Please. <laughs> Sound like ASMR. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Anti movie ASMR. <laughs> for the complete breakdown we had there. <laughs> listen, Emma. All listeners know. <laughs> they know what to expect when they tune in. <laughs> so when he goes off to give the special delivery back on track, he says to Shrimpy, oh, can you look after my stall? Now, whenever Shrimpy has to look after a stall, you never know if it's going to be a few minutes, a few hours, a few days, a few months, or a few years. Yeah. The it's poor guy. <laughs> I feel so sorry for him. They just tell him to look after the stall. He has to give up his own or he has to work on both. I he know. should get some of their earnings. He does more work on their stalls than they do. That's what I was thinking. That poor thing probably doesn't have a penny to flip and rub together. He's got to do everyone else's jobs and not get paid. That poor thing. Honestly, I'm saying it now. One day, Shrimpy will literally just be manning every stall on that marketplace. I think he will. Justice for Shrimpy. Justice for Shrimpy. Give him his flipping fair share. Deserves it. I feel sorry for him. So Martin then, because he's now been hired as security, decides, ah, it's perfect time. I'm going to give no notice. I'm not going to tell anyone. I'm going to go put my suit on, which I need to know. Did Ruby give to him? Did he buy it himself? Does he have more than one because he's been wearing it all week? But, you know. Anyway, where's that? He, off he goes. Shrimpy's still manning the stall. He's given zero notice to Ian that he's even leaving. So Shrimpy just thinks he's going to be coming back. He's not. I mean, I do love it because he's given he's given Ian zero notice. And, um, well, <laughs> that only means one thing. Well, that's no reference. You're going to have that as a, a bit of a mark on your CV, um, which isn't that great to begin with, Martin. And um, with the Ruby's business practices, <laughs> I can't imagine you're going to have a job there for much longer. So... Um, <laughs> I don't know how you're going to get another job after this, love. <laughs> Maybe debt collecting again? Don't even suggest it. <laughs> All right, chicken. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so Ian is rightfully annoyed. Yeah. Marches straight over there, demands that uh, Martin goes back on his stall. Martin's like, nah, I'm quitting. That's nice, Martin. Isn't that a family-run stall? As Max said comes from a line of greengrocers long line of greengrocers that's true martin is a greengrocer who took over that stall that was his brother's stall so now all oh, martin doesn't care <laughs> mark's been dead for years who cares so ian tells him not to come crawling back to him when he falls flat on his face again i share ian's sentiment <laughs> i'm with ian another person who's furious is max 
I mean, rightly so. <laughs> he knows Ruby fancies Martin. Um, he knows they've slept together. And now Ruby's hired him as security. So as any egotistical male, you know, patriarchy kind of individual would, he's very intimidated by that fact and is trying to throw his weight around, isn't he, Emma? I hate that this is all kind of like hinting at stacks and movie. Our two least favourite parents. <laughs> Well, two of them, because we also don't like Peter and Dottie, and we also don't like Gray and Whitney. <laughs> oh, yeah, please don't. Don't even mention that. Oh. Then again, just think about stacks and movie. Makes the bile rise. <laughs> oh. We have done stacks. We're over stacks. It's gone. No one wanted stacks when it happened. We only wanted that reveal. Yeah. Because <laughs> that was a great reveal. <laughs> I don't want Mubi as the future and I don't want Stax to come back. They would be dark times if that was the case. I feel like we'd have to do like a whole X-Men thing. You know, like when they get, they have that really dark future where the Sentinels and all the horrible robots have taken over. Like, and then they have to travel back through time, you know, stop all the bad things from happening. I feel like that's what me and Emma are going to have to do. If Stax and Mubi occur, we are going to have to invent a time machine, somehow go back and stop this from happening. <laughs> Eight twenty days of future past. <laughs> <laughs> so Max feeling intimidated insecure on himself decides he's going to be a big macho man and show Ruby what she's missing he could be head of security head of security <laughs> as Derek would say <laughs> Derek Brandon's voice he could be head of security and um, decides he's going to pull Dottie and Vinny doesn't he when he notices what they're doing I love it because at the same time Martin's just sat there drinking just sat there drinking. I know. What is he hired for? <laughs> what is he? Is he a security guard or is he a gigolo, Ruby? Just be upfront about it. Are you hiring Martin to be your personal escort? <laughs> Just be honest. It well, would be a lot less confusing. They did say they were both going to take the plunge and that clearly meant, by the way it was hinted again later, he went, oh. I've took the plunge, which was Quitty's job to be working there to get her attention because he didn't even seem that happy when he had to say to Ian I've quit he kind of just gave this hint I'm doing it because I want to sleep with Ruby yeah and Ruby's only hired him for exactly the same reason and he's saying take the plunge meaning like she has to get rid of Max so really she's hired him (laughs) to sleep with yes for those purposes this is clearly not thinking about the future because Martin is not going to have a job if they break up or if he goes back to Stacey is he because if they stop sleeping together, which is the whole purpose, he's kind of working there. <laughs> working, in quotation marks. <laughs> then she's not really going to want him there if he's moved on. Exactly. Imagine if he gets back with Stacey, and he will. We all know he's going to get back with Stacey. Can you actually imagine him just continuing to work there with Ruby? I personally can't. Firstly, Stacey's going to rip her hair extensions out when she comes. She's going to throw in that flower bed like she did with Janine. I mean, come on. There's no way they're going to have a friendship at the end of this. Back on track. Um, Max pulls up Vinny and Dottie um, after catching them, dealing their drugs. Do you remember a few weeks ago, Vinny (laughs) brought Dottie along and Ruby was like, well, come on, guys. And we were like, why is she so okay with... Dottie coming along, like, you can't just bring your friends yeah, to work. That, that's weird. When did she hire her? And then we were, then she was obviously giving her drugs out. Bobby collapsed. And we were like, oh, did she hire Dottie as a drug dealer? Turns out she did. Yeah. 
We meant that as a joke he stunned us. We didn't literally mean it. Turns out, Ruby's totally cool with drugs. Just say no! No! <laughs> Just say no. Just say Just no. Say no. <laughs> Max was saying no. We're on the same wavelength as, as Max, aren't we? Yeah. We are. You know, he's done a lot of rotten things. He's, you know, we're, we're not the biggest fans of Max, but he was bang on with what he was saying to Ruby. He basically said, like, so what? You're cool with drugs now? Do you want this place to get a reputation? That sort of stuff. And she's like, do you think I don't know what goes on in my own nightclub? It's three in the afternoon. Do you think that lot have just come in for drinks? I'm with Max here. Yeah, great. So she's graduated from rubbish business owner to drug dealer. Yeah. Drug pusher. Lovely. Well, what made me laugh is that, uh, so after that, she goes, it's just a bit of NOS gas. Yes. Nitrous oxide, the stuff they use to knock people out. Great, Ruby. Let's Ruby. That's not good. You shouldn't actually be inhaling that gas. That's dangerous. You're huffing gas. It's the way she's just so cool about it. I know. I was just like, what are you talking about? Now it gives a whole new perspective to the Bobby collapse. It really does, because she didn't call an ambulance and she just told them to leave. Yeah. No, no, don't you worry. Let's not get everyone involved. Aye, because you don't want to get caught as a drug dealer. What has happened to Ruby, Emma? Ruby was never like this. She wasn't. <laughs> what have they done to the characters? <laughs> Look what they've done. <laughs> um, apparently, Ruby's not the only one who's totally fine with um, just a little bit of gas. Just a little bit of gas, Emma. Yeah, Martin's totally fine with drugs as well. Firstly, the gas thing just made me think of Ross Geller on Friends when he describes all the different kinds of gases when he's flirting. <laughs> 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 we get him on, he can tell what watch is doing. Oh. Martin, hey, you can talk. So Dottie gave Bex drugs and we all know what happened then on the 35th anniversary on that boat. <laughs> I, we- love, I love Emma saying exact with the date. <laughs> 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 yes, Martin, remember that day? <laughs> At that time. <laughs> and before Christmas, he was getting really annoyed with the way Dottie was taking Bex out and stuff when she shouldn't have been and like what she was doing and that she was supplying then. Oh, but now I thought we were turning a blind eye to Dottie. Oh, are we now? Are we? Who's Bex again? She's with his other daughter, Hope. Yeah. You know, those people that Martin literally doesn't care about now. Doesn't mention at all. Remember Arthur? Remember <laughs> when he was having that massive fight over Arthur? Didn't Arthur him. on the square, and yet doesn't even go and see him. But he was having a fight over um, at Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, Martin. I mean, you're right. Like he was absolutely against Dottie dealing drugs again. You know, Bex involved. Bex almost died because of drugs, and he's just so cool with it now. Yeah, it's what the kids do these days. Martin, you're a grown man. Get a grip. <laughs> That was very passionate there. I feel like we really went into that. I feel like we, we just got lost lost in the, the movie rage. <laughs> we'll, we'll come down a bit, guys. Let's return to a little bit of uh, normality. So Ruby's decided um, she'll speak to Max later. She goes to her new house because apparently that all that transaction was all very quick, wasn't what it? What I didn't get is, so she was looking at the house one day, the next day... She was saying to Jack, oh, um, if I can, can I move in on Friday? Then suddenly she is moving in with her, like, two boxes. I love that. A box. 
That's all that Ruby has to move in. I literally had to hire a van when I moved. I had to like put loads of fish out. She's just like, this is all I've got. What was she doing? Was she like that man from Extreme Cheapskates where he's just got a house full of nothing? <laughs> he goes around to his neighbours for sugar and milk and everything. He's like, do you have any water or ice? <laughs> It was the quickest house move I've ever seen. Is she renting or is she buying? Because if she's buying, it couldn't have been that quick. I mean, come on. You tell me she managed to get a mortgage that quick. Oh, maybe she paid in cash, actually. Because she's very wealthy, isn't she? Oh, she is, yeah. Yeah, she might have paid in cash. That might be why it's so quick. Ah, okay. That might explain it. But we don't know. Oh, we don't. That would still be steep price. That's in the middle of London, guys. Hey, these are London prices. These are London prices. And that's Mel's house as well, so you know it's going to be fabulous. She's just bankrupt now. <laughs> she bought that house just so she could get Martin in bed. <laughs> I love that style. <laughs> the delivery didn't work well enough. Gonna go up a step. <laughs> Gonna buy a house now. <laughs> That'll get him. <laughs> I love her style. <laughs> that's hey, the way to do it. Speaking of style, I do love her pink coat. That is lovely. Well. I was just about to say, she is looking absolutely stunning. She's well out of Martin and Max's leagues. I would love if, if, like, EastEnders or anyone who may have seen the coach or the actress herself, if that is her actual coat. If any of you would like to tell me where I could get that coat, I'd be very (laughs) grateful. It's a lovely coat, the pink one she had when she was dumping Max. Beautiful. Don't they normally just get, like, mass, like, a mass buy-in of, like, clothing from, um... From like TK Maxx and things like that. Oh, okay. I think they do. Because Waterloo Road used to. They used to do H&M a lot. Because oh, that's okay. how I got one of the shirts that someone wore. <laughs> someone wore. Because I was like, I love that shirt. How my family didn't know I was gay at that point. Uh, I'll, ha- I'll have no idea. <laughs> love that shirt. We'll have to get that. So, yes, she's all moved in there, Nelly. She's just got one more box to put in, doesn't she? <laughs> just one more box. Um, Max decides it's going to be, you know, the chauvinist gentleman that he is, and he's going to carry that one box as if Ruby can't carry it through the threshold. Um, I was like, just let her okay. carry the box, Max. I love that. Because then five minutes later, I was just like, so that's your line, Martin. Martin's your line. He's like, yeah. Listen, you can sleep with whoever you want, Ruby. You can sleep with whoever you want. Just, I just loved as long it. as it's not Martin. He was like literally begging her, like, I will accept the open relationship for you. I will sleep with Chris if it means <laughs> if it means no Martin. <laughs> it's literally us. <laughs> Ruby, we will do anything. Anything. Just don't do that. <laughs> Speaking of people being dumped, do you remember that Martin actually got with Sonia after the whole Ruby thing the first time and dumped mm-hmm. her because he still loved Stacey. So what's happened to that? Well, I think what we've got here, Emma, is a case of um, runaway storyline. It comes and goes. It's a real bad symptom. So sometimes, sometimes, bear with me, like the Ahmeds, they had a storyline. They would mention it and then it would be gone next week. Runaway storyline. There's a line she wants to cross and it is the Martin line. Now... There's somebody who I don't think will cross that line, and that is our Stace. And also, I don't really think Martin is the open relationship kind of guy. So, well, who blimmin' knows he's into drugs now? True, true. New man. New man. But like, crossing the line that means sleeping with your best friend's husband—I don't think you should be crossing it. No, 
um, this completely ruins Ruby's character. Let's take a trip down memory lane with Ruby. I mean, like the first time round she came, she was like, you know, dead honourable. She was very loyal, loyal to Stacy within like the to the point where when Johnny, who thought Stacy was like got a trash, like would attack Stacy, Ruby would side with Stacy. Again, she even handed her own dad in after he, you know, was committing all these crazy crimes and you know it was that whole Phil and Grant go to get Johnny and get she Johnny like, week <laughs> yeah I love I love that that whole that whole story um and then she was the one who actually made him hand himself in yeah that's Ruby that's Ruby not that's this, our Ruby <laughs> that's our Ruby <laughs> not this Ruby who goes around flipping slagging off Mel's home and her decor and then stealing our friend's you know, man, and then, uh, well, all of our men, really, because she was Max as well. Um, and her brother, Sean. And her brother. I mean, to be fair, we know Sean was originally with her for the money, but, you know. Yes, exactly. That's like. Exactly. <laughs> I'm really gutted because I love their friendship and I feel like with this whole storyline, that's ruined now. Like, I don't know what they're going to come back from. Because if you think about it, Stacey took Ruby in at the beginning when she ran away from home. Yes, they had the ups and downs with the whole Sean debacle. Mm. <laughs> but, you know, during the rape trial, uh, Ruby confided in Stacey. Stacey helped Ruby. And I just think on the square, there's not many female friendships now where they haven't slept with the other one's partner. And I'm just sick because now we know we've got Chantel and Whitney. It's going to happen there too. And I'm a bit like, ugh. And I loved Ruby and Stacey's friendship. Why ruin that? I just don't get it. In the immortal words of Nene Leakes, close your legs to married men, Ruby. While Martin and Ruby don't seem to care where Stacey is, Jean does. It seems like it's the only thing Jean cares about at the moment. <laughs> Jean is waiting for a letter from Stacey, or so she believes she is, because obviously we learn later on that she then says that she's going to go and see her, and then that she's not returning her calls, but when... We get to it later, the Kush calls her. She actually asks how Jean is, so I'm not 100% yes. sure if Jean is waiting for a letter, but she does go and ask the postman, but apparently nothing's coming. She actually says, from Stacy, as if the postman knows exactly who <laughs> Stacy is. Be like, just puts the paper on his head. This is from her. <laughs> this one's <is>. us. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that this is all signs that this is just part of um, Jean's bipolar. Like, this is all just part of her delusions. Because it's like I say, one minute she was just expecting a letter, the next she's apparently been like getting an invite to go see her. Like or calling her and not getting an answer, but then Stace answers the phone and seems to have no recollection of her mother trying to call. So it does seem like this is just yet again another element to Jean's delusions. And I mean, no one suffered more than than the Slater family from these delusions because currently um, they're all homeless and living with Isaac. And Denise. That's nice for Kush and Denise. Living with their exes. Lovely. (laughs) That's not awkward at all, is it? When you're like, (laughs) good night. And she's living with like the ex's girlfriend's children. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, not awkward at all, Emma. Not awkward (laughs) at all. Who have just broke her vase, I think it was, which... <gasps> 30, yes. I you would know, be so annoyed. 
that's a family heirloom. It's like uh, Suki's cardigan. Yes. You know, sacred, sacred items. I'm obsessed with Suki's cardigan and the storyline around that. That's like my favourite storyline. <laughs> what is happening with Suki's cardigan this week? <laughs> <laughs> but the smashing of vases, that's not important. Something else is important. And that's more getting her leg over. Because <laughs> she's in the prime of her youth. The prime of her life. And she is ready to spread the butter on a, to- on a piece of toast. <laughs> that she's going to share with Isaac, apparently. I'm absolutely living for Moe's, like, lust. <laughs> lust for Isaac. And poor Isaac's just sat there like... <laughs> <laughs> So obviously the kids don't have their school uniforms because, well, no one has anything because Jean, yeah. Jean did throw some stuff down to them. So I guess they have bits and pieces, but she must have the rest of the stuff still in the house. And one of the things that are in the house is the school uniforms. Now, Isaac, I know you mean well. I know you mean well when you say this. However, <laughs> no, please, no. Isaac says he wants to give the kids lost property uniforms. And you know they just stink of other kids still sweat. Like, no. Can I just say, do you remember the Lost Property box? Oh, it's awful. Do you know what was in that box? Oh, all sorts. That was not children's clothes. They were the clothes of children who went missing or something. They were not school uniform clothes. I remember once, right, this is one of the items that were in the Lost Property box. Purple jogging bottoms. <laughs> Purple jogging bottoms. Who wears them to school? I vividly remember having, because I'd spilled... Remember, we used to get milk. <laughs> oh my milk. God, yes. <laughs> I had spilt milk all over it. Oh, the milk. And I can smell it now. It's it disgusting. Um, I tripped and it all just went all over us. And I had to change out my, my trousers and like, my uniform, my jumper, my shirt and everything. And I had to wear lost property <gasps> clothes. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, I, can't, I can't describe the trauma. Needless to say, every time I see a pair of purple tracksuit bottoms, uh, I have flashbacks. Those clothes are not worn by people. I refuse to believe that. I think those clothes have been found in a ditch somewhere. I think they've had them for years and years and years and they've just yeah. found them around the school or something because everything in there seemed like it had been there since the dawn of time. I think they're like, you know when you're walking along and you see like a random pair of gloves like a, a, or a lost sock or something. That's the school just picking like, it up. That's the school they pick it up. <laughs> they pick all those things up and they form it into the lost property. I will never forget in the lost property when it had one shoe in. I was like, <laughs> how do you lose one of your shoes? Can easily happen, Emma. <laughs> how do you get home? Oh, where's the other shoe gone? Clubfoot. <laughs> <laughs> I think every school will have had that where they had like the one shoe and whatever half the other stuff was. I used to think it was really weird because didn't that say they would have like a kind of shelf life. So if you didn't come and collect it yeah. within a certain amount of time, it would they would get Stay. rid of it. And yet they never did anyway. No, they just kept it. They were they clearly it still there. Once it goes past that shelf life, it's owned. <laughs> <laughs> and also, once if you realise something in there was yours, but by then someone else was wearing it. <laughs> wearing it. <laughs> it's so true, it's a wreck. <laughs> this has turned into something else on this podcast, but you know, it's an important message to send out. Don't wear the things that are in lost property. You will get lice, you will get scabies, things like that. Please don't wear those things. Always stunk of stale sweat. Always. Can you imagine slipping your feet into someone else's plimsolls? Oh, 
no. Well, I mean, that's horrific. Do you remember having to wear plimsolls? How weird was that? You're also trying on someone's top that they've worn, but no one's cleaned it since. Yeah, I did love that about it. They're all clean. No, they're not, you liar. No, that we can see the stains on them. They're the not armpits. Clean. The armpits had went from white to yellow because yeah. they've been <laughs> that sweaty. They've been there forever. Oh. 300 kids have sweated in them. Oh, vile. Oh, gosh. So, yes, Isaac, as noble as your intentions were, please do not torture little Tommy Moon with uh, wearing lost property clothing. I mean, funny. And he gets bullied enough. <laughs> Tommy's already having a bad time. Like, come on. Come Cut on. Him some They'll slack. start calling him Moon and start calling him Trampy Moon or something. Cut the kids some slack here, Isaac. Surely, if Isaac's living with him, right, he could sort out. Get buying a new uniform or getting a proper new uniform. Rather, yeah. they must have some spare. You know, in like if you go to work and they go, oh, you need to order a new uniform, and they have all the spares in the offices. Yeah, yeah. Why does he not just do that with uniforms? Them. He's not have them. Also, isn't would a teacher get like a discount? Oh, surely, surely, surely a teacher would get like a school discount on uniforms if they have kids. Isaac should just go out and buy some. I just want to say. Tommy's going to be bullied some more, isn't he? Because he's living with his teacher. Live with his teacher. Going to have to wear lost property box clothing. So that's purple tracks of bottoms for Tommy. He's going he's gonna to have it hard, <laughs> Emma. I don't know how Isaac was meant to help him on this journey. Because <laughs> it just seems like Isaac's made it worse. Yeah, because Isaac was there to help him. But I think it's, it's took a different turn there. Yeah. Well, anyway, speaking of lost clothing... Suki wants that cardigan back. Oh, the best storyline. I'm loving it. This is my favourite storyline ever, you know. Oh, uh-huh. This I'm is like so invested. I'm really invested in it. So Kush went to go and see Karat and Suki because he needs to get into the house. He needs some stuff and he also needs to check out Gina's. Yeah. But Karat's like, nah, not getting involved in that <laughs> kind of drama. <laughs> not <laughs> my drama. Karat is like such a sensible person. He shouldn't even be on the square. He's like so sensible. No, why would I get involved in your drama? <laughs> sort that out yourself. Yeah. Suki, however. Yeah. Yeah, we'll help. We'll meet you. Kush leaves. Well, I just want to see what's happening with Gina and I want my Cardi back. <laughs> That's the real, <laughs> the real thing. She just wants her cardigan back. So they let themselves in to Jean's. She gets a fright. She's not very happy that they're all there. And... <laughs> She is wearing the Cardi. I love it. Can I just say, I've got a few things to say about this whole scene. Kush literally goes, Jean! And she does a charade where oh, yeah. even though she has heard him, she opens the door and goes, Oh! <laughs> but you came into this room because you've heard him. <laughs> like, so why are you shocked? Happy birthday! Oh! <laughs> Remember that bit with Sheree? Ah! <laughs> but they announced themselves. They did announce themselves. <laughs> so Kush tries to get through to Jean, obviously, and is trying to, you know, <laughs> get her to listen a little bit, but she finds his tone a little bit patronising, <laughs> which it sort of is, because he's going, Jean. And like she's a bit like, don't patronise me, you poisoner. <laughs> <laughs> I just loved all the references she made to that. And Suki is not happy because she's ruining her cardigan. Oh, yeah. I mean, she's she's wearing it all over the place. She'll be sweating in that cardigan. That's not lost property, you know. And while they're all shouting, Mo has a little look in Jean's room. 
She's been busy, hasn't she? Yeah. You know, some people take up crafts. Some people take up drawing. But Jean's hobby, it's building shrines to Daniel. She had his suit out. She had photos everywhere. I mean, I did love the kind of like how the suit was laid out on the bed. Then there's like this imitation of a head of all of their pictures together. And then Mo looks at it and goes, Oh! <laughs> <laughs> her face was everything. And what did I do with Sonia? Do you remember when Sonia found Leo's body? Oh, went, yeah. <laughs> close the door. <laughs> That's what I wanted from Mo. But like Mo's reaction was just fabulous. Oh, we've got a gold cush. <laughs> Mo does a runner upstairs because she still wants to go and collect some items before they leave. And yeah. she only collected a couple of things. Like, why did they not collect a lot of things? Yeah, she had like two shirts. What is How this? Is Ruby's house. <laughs> <laughs> Ruby had like one box. Like, all they, all they own really is just two shirts. <laughs> <laughs> and Jean wants to call the police because they're not leaving fast enough for her. So Cush is like, Jean... I wouldn't do that. And Jean's like, no, you wouldn't because you would have to tell them you poisoned me. (laughs) (laughs) But Mo, still absolutely traumatised by seeing the shrine, is like, we've got to leave and I need to talk to you. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. I need to talk to you. But before they leave, Suki needs that cardigan, doesn't she, Oh, yeah, she just asks Jean to take it off. She isn't going to charge Jean for any dry cleaning because she doesn't think it's fair. So she charges Kush instead. I mean, that's that's totally reasonable. Very charitable, Asuki, isn't she? Very charitable. <laughs> so, back at um, Isaac's house, at the temporary Slater house, um, Mo confronts Kush and tells him everything she's seen. And though Kush phones, you know, some experts, I mean, finally phoning like the right people to phone he decides to tell them when this mental health team is asking him the questions he decides to tell them that actually Jean's not a danger to herself and is then shocked when they say well there's nothing they can do well that tends to happen when you say that there's nothing at risk even though Jean is at risk because she's not taking her pills and is forgetting where she is, forgetting what she's doing, doing strange things, getting herself in all sorts of trouble. Only the like, other week she had a seizure. Exactly. That is a risk, Kush. Why did you say there was nothing? I don't understand oh. his logic there. Even just lie if you think there's no risk. It's not like he hasn't done that recently. <laughs> exactly. You'd be poisoner. I've turned into Jean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So when that doesn't work, Mo's basically like, well, just phone Kat or Stace. He's like, no, I can do this. I can look after the family. I think, Kush, I think we've established that really you're a bit out of your depth. Just a bit. You're a very good man trying. I mean, there's a few men on this square who should have been doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But they haven't even bothered, have they? Oh, well. We'll be on to that. So Kush is like, nah, I can do this. And Mo's like, well, on your head be it then. So Jean's walking around the square with that loud drilling that was really annoying. I don't care. So, you know when she was having that whole moment where she was like, ooh, like that, and like all the music and the drilling and stuff? I thought that was just a side effect of when she was poisoned. (laughs) Um, So why was she getting the exact same reaction this time around? I'm confused on whether that's because, still because of them having overdosed her, 
or if that occurred originally because of her just not taking her pills. I'm confused now on why she's having it a second time. It did seem like it was like a another moment where it was happening. I wonder if it's because like the first time she'd suddenly had so many because mm. they obviously didn't know the dose they were giving her. And then this yeah. time she's gone from having them all to like again to not. not having any. And I wonder if that's like having a that's similar effect. It. Yeah. Because I was just like, oh my God, maybe you should like go to the doctor's, Jane. But obviously we don't, we know she won't. Um, she'll choose not to go to the doctor's. Well, she bumps into Martin mm-hmm. on a little walk. Oh, good old Martin. She mentions she's going to go and see Stacy, but I don't know if Jean actually even knows where Stacy is living at the moment. I don't think that Jean even knows where she is at the moment, so yeah. <laughs> but she does ask Martin if he's got a message for Stacy. I can think of a few things, such as, you know, how's my daughter? I haven't seen Arthur, and I'm sleeping with your best friend. Lovely. Yes, those are all the things that Martin has, has been up to. Forgetting all of his kids, including Bex, because... Where's Bex now? Oh, yeah, that's right. Irrelevant in Martin's life. I want Jean to, like, confront Martin a bit more. It'd be like he's shouting at him like she does at Phil. Yeah, and also with Martin seeing her there, he was really dismissive of her and, like, angry when Jean's clearly not well. So why, as someone he used to live with, someone that used to be his mother-in-law, yeah. someone that he knows is not well, and he's been dismissive rather than being like, Jean, are you all right? Just he's cause- not for years. Just because of everything's happened with Stacy doesn't mean you should stop caring about Jean. Jean let him live in that house when Leo was murdered and let exactly. him move back in. Knowing Ex- fine well what he had done. Martin, you've well and truly let yourself down. You've let us down. you let yourself down. We were rooting for you. We were all rooting for you, Martin. But my favourite bit came when Cush arrived and she's like, no, no, I'm not talking to him. And she was like, shooing him away. <laughs> I loved when his partner in crime like <laughs> crawled up as well beside her and she was like oh, you're the accomplice, accomplice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hilarious I love that I do love though how Shirley was able to get through to Jean like almost immediately and was just like come on Jean we'll just go for a cup and she's like why so you can poison me <laughs> but then was like okay let's go <laughs> I she's changed her mind so quickly. And then when Kush was like, oh, yay, following. Like, we're finally going to get through to her. And she's like, not him. I love it because Kush is like that friend. You know, like, we've all been there. Where like, when you're young, sometimes you don't want other people to join your friendship circles. That's what I was getting from that. Kush can't come and play with Jean and uh, Shirley. (laughs) So they have a sit down, don't they? Have a little bit of a chat. You do. Jean does a little bit of woodwork. <laughs> Jean, yeah, Jean's just S. carving an S. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure that's vandalism, Jean, to Kathy's calf, which Kathy's just stood over there. So it's a bit of vandalism, isn't it? She was uh, just putting it in her sugar, but there's a chance it's probably went into the wood because <laughs> she was really <laughs> going for it. Yeah, she's been just doing it so long that she's carved <laughs> all of Stacey's name into the, the wall <laughs> of the wood. <laughs> so Shirley doesn't know that Stacy hit Phil over the head. Like that wasn't disclosed with Shirley. They said to her that Stacy went to see Sean. And I don't think they've ever really said what happened. I think no one on the square even remembers what happened. So I don't think it, that that whole storyline even matters. 
I don't even think Phil remembers he got hit on the head. He's had a lot go on since then. In the immortal words of Lola, a lot has happened since then. <laughs> so Jean tells Shirley that Phil's the reason Stacey isn't coming home. Shirley doesn't even question that. She's just like, well, the only language Phil understands is sex. <laughs> it just makes me think of that song, you know, sexual healing. <laughs> sexual sexual. Healing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I kind of give us vibes of. But Shirley's like, don't worry, Kush will call her, it'll be fine. And then she's like, your partner in crime. <laughs> Jean doesn't forgive or forget. No, she's like, oh, she remembers that Kathy gave drugs to Rainy. <laughs> she remembers. But later on, when Jean's looking at a photo of Stacey, she sees a sparkly dress hanging up. And she knows what she has to do. She has to go let herself into Phil's. She's got to get a bit of wine, help herself to some wine. And she's got to seduce Phil. <laughs> I absolutely loved this entire thing. Um, I kind of was just like, well, a girl's got to do what a girl's got to do, doesn't she, Emma? So she got up, she went, like you say, broke into his house, essentially. Oh, yeah. Helped herself to the wine. But my favourite bit, my f- absolute favourite bit, is when he was walking in and she's got her feet up on his table. <laughs> yeah. That, that tiny little detail there, hilarious. I was <laughs> bowled over laughing because it was just like, she's just got her like, feet up. She's got them out of her shoes. She's chilling, <laughs> having her wine, <laughs> getting herself ready for a bit of, you know, soliciting. <laughs> she even took her shoes off. It was great. I love it. Listen, if you've got to make an indecent uh, proposal, you have to make yourself comfortable. We all have to have a little bit of Dutch courage. Phil's confused. Jean tells him of his reputation that he's confused about. And she is here to offer herself for his pleasure. An arrangement, his place, his time, all of his choosing. You could call it an indecent proposal. I did like when he laughed at that. He really enjoyed that bit. Because he was like, oh, it's a wind up, okay. I love when she was like, do you find me attractive? And she just started laughing. Like, yeah, like this is a very odd situation, Jean. Like, I know that obviously in, in your mind at the minute, you're, you're not thinking straight, but Phil literally has no idea what is happening. He doesn't even know why Stacey's not here. No, he doesn't even remember being hit on the head. He thinks it was Kat anyway. He doesn't care. Why has no one mentioned it? So weird. It's so weird. But don't worry, because Phil's not going to take advantage of her. He's got Sharon, so... Well, Shirley um, does say his type is blonde, which we all know is true. (laughs) We all know it's true. We all know. West, she might not be his cup of tea. Apparently, Phil makes a good cup of tea. That's what he does for her, doesn't he? Well, he goes and makes a cup of tea and calls Shirley, and Shirley arrives. Shirley to the rescue. Shirley. Hero Shirley. And... Jean tells her, don't worry, makes a good cup of tea, having a lovely time. Well, Sharon did say a few weeks ago, Phil doesn't make a good cup of tea, though. He makes them like Denny. <gasps> oh, I wonder how that is. What do you think? Do you think Sharon, this is important, do you think Sharon is a milky tea kind of person or a strong tea kind of person? I feel like she'll be strong. I hope so, because that's what I think. But now I'm scared that it's a milky tea. I feel like Jean would like any kind of tea. I feel like she's just happy to have tea. 
I think Jean doesn't know what tea tastes like at the minute, so it doesn't really matter. She no. thinks she's just being given a cup of tea. Actually, it's it's arsenic. Well, he did say put that in for Ben, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> so Phil tells Shirley what's been happening. Yeah. And... It's a little bit awkward telling your ex that you're being seduced by her friend. <laughs> I thought he was being really good about it. He didn't like make fun of her. He didn't laugh at her. He didn't chuck her out. He just, he done the right thing. He looked after her, gave her a cup of tea, called her friend to come sort the situation out, <laughs> take her home, make sure she's okay. Yeah. It is like such a transformation for Phil. We have seen him go through so many different stages, but like currently, to do that, old Phil would not have done that. No. Old Phil would have flew off the handle. He would have chucked her out. So Shirley takes Jean home. Jean's now a bit worried that maybe she's made it worse. And this is when she says, like, Stacey isn't returning her calls and that she's not speaking to her but we already heard earlier that she wanted to go and see her and that she was hoping for a letter from us i don't actually think jean has contacted stacy no but i do find it weird stacy hasn't contacted jean <laughs> absolutely can we just talk about the fact that since stacy's left she's barely contacted her own mother i find it unbelievable especially considering what jean's been through in the last year i mean would it have killed them just to do like just a voice. Not even that. You could just have Jean come up the phone and go, oh, I've just been speaking to Stace. Yes. Do a, you know, they do it with Bianca and Carol and stuff, where they're just like, hi, Grandma. Yeah, I love you. Like, really, yeah. we know Carol's not on the other phone because she's busy with her man. <laughs> yes. Yeah, don't forget, Carol. Don't but forget. the way Stacey's always looked after Jean from being a young girl, I find it very unbelievable. Yes. It's it's very out of character for Stacey. Very out of character. And also at Christmas, Jean and Stacey were in contact because when they came to pick up Stacey's things. So I find it, again, weird that they're suddenly not in contact. In contact, yeah. It is odd. So earlier in the day, we had Mo pressuring Kush to ring Stacey or Kat. Um, Shirley did, and Kush was like, what am I supposed to say to her? Hello, I've been poisoning your mum. Which <laughs> Shirley replied, she'll understand. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she probably would, but like, um, only because it's in the context of his standards as a universe. Like, so many bizarre things happen that actually I think that Stacey would be like, well, that's just another Saturday, isn't it, really? Shirley leaves Jean and goes to check Kush is actually going to speak to Stacey. And he has rang her, he's left a voicemail. So she rings back, we hear her voice. Yay! <gasps> no! Do you know, I have to be honest, I kind of wanted him to do something from our fan fiction. You know, where, like, my character goes, Stace, I need you. That's what I thought they were going to do. So she asks how Jean is. So she does clearly want to know. But we hear earlier that from Jean that they're not speaking. And Kush decides that's the perfect opportunity, even though he's really needed to speak to her about something to say. Yeah, Jean's fine. Kush is making some great decisions. Great choices, isn't he? I mean, first telling her mental health team that actually she's totally fine and not a danger to herself. And then <laughs> deciding to tell her daughter, who's probably the only person who can, who can get through to her and actually understands her position, that everything's fine. Okay, well, we'll, we'll wait and see what happens next. It's Ben's big day. And Lex is here to wake him up with Marmite sandwiches. Or Marmite on toast. Ew. Who likes Marmite? Not me. Ooh. Isn't it the thing that you meant to either love or hate? Isn't it literally on like their tubs or whatever they're in? 
I do find that very interesting marketing, don't you? Mm. Like, you're either going to love it or you're going to hate it. And that's quite similar to Ben, really, isn't it? <laughs> like, most people either love him or they hate him. Uh, there's never really, like, an in-between. But there is one person who absolutely does love him, and that's little Lexi. Loves him so much, she's waking him up, calling him a nutter, calling her a nutter, and then demanding he takes her to school. Yeah, because she's round to be taken to school because Lola isn't going to take her because it's Ben's turn. I'm like, Lola, rather than standing here arguing, why don't you just take her to school? Why is it when Lola has nothing to do and Ben does, she always blames Ben and she always makes him take her to school and it gets on my nerves because she's really patronising, like, it's your turn. It is so strange because she makes out as if she has Lexi all the time. And I'm not being funny. For most of last week, she was snogging other people's faces. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, she was getting, you know, freaky-deaky with, like, Jay just the other week in the car lot. The few weeks back when she had the abortion, she didn't go home to Lexi. No, no, she went and got drunk and decided she was going to cop off with Peter. So she's not exactly busy with Lexi, is she? At every other time. We see her, she is basically palming her off on either Kathy, Ben, Phil. Like, who? who's next? She's going to give out to Flip and Peter. Can you just watch my daughter? I know she's not like, you know, I know we're not dating or anything, but we did sleep together. Watch her. <laughs> like, come on, Lola. She's always too busy with other men. And we certainly never see Lola at work. No, that's what annoys me the most. <laughs> I was just thinking, though, they stood there arguing about who's taking Lexi to school and like, well, she's going to be late. Well, that's not new. She's always off or late. It's always one or the other. And I'm like, affect our attendance now, is it? Maybe if you just stopped arguing and one of you just took her to school, she won't be late. I mean, like, if you saw that Ben, right, like it's wrong that he's obviously slept in and forgotten to take Lexi, get ready for Lexi. But if you saw that Ben has clearly just woken up, wouldn't you, instead of arguing with him, just have went, I tell you what, just to make sure my daughter's not late, I'll just take her now. Well, I'll just take her a day if you take her tomorrow. There you go. Done. She makes, like, everything with, like, everyone a massive, a massive situation. I feel like she's addicted to the, addicted to this, like, crazy Lexi drama. So Callum turned Ben's alarm off. As we've just said, he was, he was late getting up. Which I found interesting because obviously he's panicking and we later find out from Phil that the job's at 8pm. Now, I don't know why him and Phil were so bothered about him being up a bit late because Mm. it was happening at 8pm, not 8am. Did Ben think it was going to be (laughs) 8am? Is that why he was so panicky? I just find it really weird. I find the whole situation with this whole job weird because, like, if we go down the route that Ben thought that it was going to be early, like, surely his common sense tells him that no one burgles a warehouse in broad daylight. <laughs> so it's clearly nighttime. And he's clearly not... He's, he's got, like, 12 hours before that comes anywhere in the yard to the time. <laughs> it was like, oh, my God, it's 8 in the morning. <laughs> Perfect time. Yeah, I love it. I you know, it. that's the kind of time Martin would take you to the warehouse. Well, you know, he would be out deck collecting first thing. So, yeah. I think Keanu also went quite early. Oh, well, yeah, he did. Remember? But He's kidnapped Callum in broad daylight with no one seen. Look how bad those two went. Yeah, exactly. But responsibilities come first, Emma. The job has to wait. Because Lola has commanded 
that Ben take Lexi to school. It's his turn, you know. Except it always seems to be his turn. I love the bit where he was walking through the market and you were hearing what he was hearing. I think when it comes to point of view episodes, EastEnders do really well. What I liked was like you were hearing the sounds of the market that he wouldn't be able to hear as well. You know, like the things that he clearly will miss hearing. It was a really poignant moment in the market. Then all of a sudden it was like, Ben almost gets hit by a van. (laughs) Oh, I know, because he was watching Peter and Lola. Lola had either gotten taller or Peter had shrunk. I think um, it's Lola's getting taller. You know, she's a bit like Pinocchio, where the more lies she tells, the (laughs) the better she gets. I mean, I know his nose grew, but she's physically just growing. (laughs) So, yes, Lexi, terrified that her dad almost just died because he got hit by a van, has some very significant words to say to him for the that kind of echo the rest of the episode don't they don't die daddy (laughs) (laughs) that's what you want to hear from your child isn't it (laughs) children say the sweetest things children say the sweetest things don't they don't die daddy i mean that tells you that she has been warped by the mitchells oh she knows what goes down yeah daddy i saw the gun you were hiding really terribly behind the shelves (laughs) don't die daddy well i said this i love how secure he kept that gun (laughs) on the floor in a piece of fabric how did no one see it right so how many people live there callum rainy and stewart although i've noticed whenever ben's around you never see rainy and stewart so they do they just hire a hotel when ben's around they just walk (laughs) to like the best western or something (laughs) the premier (laughs) inn but you used to have your time but when you have Rainy and Stuart there, Ben's not there. So are they just avoiding each other? Or how yeah, do they hate Ben? <laughs> it's like really awkward. I can't imagine them in the same household anyway. Yeah. So bearing in mind they lived there, then Lola was round and Lexi was round and not one of them, not one of them saw the gun. And also, what did he have it in? What was that weird material that he had it in? It kind of made us think that it was like shorts. You know, like those really... Dodge brand, like, PE shorts that you'd have to wear. Yeah, that's what I thought when I saw them. I was like, is he hiding a gun in his shorts? <laughs> Obviously, he's got the job coming. He's dropped Lexi off. He's got his gun. Everything that's really the important stuff is out the way. So now he's going to focus on more familial issues, isn't he, Emma? Start with Lola, who's been a big hussy, hasn't she? <laughs> and Ben knows. <laughs> I mean, if there's ever someone you don't want knowing that you've like you've cheated on Jay, it's probably Ben. So he drags her out of the cafe and is confronting her. Jay sees what's going on, and Lola doesn't really hide it well. No, as as we've discussed previously on this podcast, Lola and Peter are terrible at lying. <laughs> they can't even just omit lies. They literally make it so obvious on their faces. They're worse than Keanu and Sharon. Like, they were terrible at keeping that affair secret. So, yes, um, Ben confronts Lola, shouting in her face, um, you know, about, like, what she'd done. She's been sleeping with Peter and things like that. How long has it been going on for? She denies it all. And Jay, not really knowing what's actually happening, charges over, grabs Ben, uh, tells him that, you know, Lola um, loves him and Lexi more than it, more than anything, even more than him. If that's true, Jay, you know, you can always come to me. I don't mind. And it goes to a different level when he then turns around and says, she aborted my baby because of you. Sorry, did we miss something? I think so. 
Because I certainly don't remember Lola saying specifically that it was because of Ben. She said um, that she wasn't ready for a baby. And yes, she did bring up that with Ben currently, she wanted to like make sure he was all right and stuff. But it was never the sole reason at all. Yes. Just admit you don't want the baby, Lola. It's a perfectly rational stance to take. You were in a situation that was not financially stable or you didn't feel ready to have a baby. That's fine. But don't go blaming someone's deafness on it, on the reason why you decided to get rid of it. I didn't like the way Jay confronted Ben either. I was just like, oh, great. Now they're going to ruin their relationship too. (laughs) (laughs) Ruby's and Stacey's just wasn't enough. (laughs) Yeah, they're going to come after Jay and Ben. You know we love them. So Ben is still not happy because he hasn't been able to get the truth from Lola. Lola has basically made it out to Jay that he's the reason why she got rid of a baby. And with Ben's deafness, he's really struggling to understand what anyone's actually saying. And they're all just shouting at him and ranting at him. So, like, clearly he's a little bit agitated today. And he goes and sees Phil. You know what I loved? And I think we saw it a lot in this um, particular section. When they had the words up on the screen and you were only seeing the bits Ben was hearing. So, like, there was some bits where the words weren't really connecting to make the sentence, and I really liked that. It was making me feel like I was in Ben's shoes. It was a really clever little technique where, like, it's like you say, if he was looking at them and he was able to kind of see what they were saying, you would understand what they were saying. If he wasn't looking at them or they were looking away or speaking too quickly, you would just hear, like, the blurred noise kind of thing. Very clever. So Ben goes to check the blueprints again with Phil. Yeah. Need a good blueprint, don't we? Love a good blueprint. Definitely look like they're just created on like paint or something. But (laughs) (laughs) Phil's just just being honest. (laughs) Could be. I did that one last night. It doesn't look anything like the warehouse, but I thought it would be quite good, doesn't it? It looks quite good, doesn't it? Oh, hey, Keanu. So we're staying out of this area. That's his area. I love the idea that actually it's the very same warehouse that they've used in every Every time. (laughs) Every time. I just like to think that it's just one gigantic warehouse, like almost the size of Manchester or something, like a humongous (laughs) labyrinthine like structure. And each person just has their own area. Yeah, the Callum area, Keanu area. Martin area. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So Phil says he doesn't want Ben on the job. He's not up to it. And Ben's like, I'm the muscle. You're old. I love that. <laughs> Listen, Dad, you've got to hang up that uh, gangster lifestyle. I'm the I'm the new blood. That's what Ben's like, isn't he? I mean, to be fair, Ben is, like I've already said, is really agitated at this point. He's had an argument with Jay, an argument with Lola. He's gotten up late, for what I don't know. And now he's just been told that... The job's basically cancelled for him. And Ben is right when he tells Phil he can't trust Danny. Well, exactly. Don't trust that chicken man. That chicken man. Sneaky chicken man. That's what he is. So, still angry, Ben decides he's going to get some answers once and for all. You know, good old EastEnders style. He's going to barge straight into a place of employment, grab someone, and drag them out, make them a massive big public spectacle. But there's so many moments here. Firstly... Mm. Lola was at work. Wow. Hallelujah. 
I think the whole heavens just opened up there and just shone down. <laughs> Secondly, they looked busy. They did. Well, busy-ish. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, that's two clients. Busy for them. <laughs> but busy for them. Two people's busy for them. Two people. <laughs> we normally see no one in there. <laughs> <laughs> there was a new employee I spotted behind Lola. Mm. Interesting. I love that. They, were, they didn't have enough work. They didn't have enough work. <laughs> Well, they've just hired some random. Chantel. (laughs) 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 Didn't have the heart to tell her she was crap. (laughs) As soon as she lost that competition, they were like, well, no, I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) That's it, she's a failure. (laughs) They never forget. (laughs) I love it. We finally see Lola cut some hair. Can I just say, it was giving me like Steve Strange vibes because she was like nervously pulling yes, it. Was. <laughs> it made me think of Celebrity Scissorhands. If you haven't seen it, go and watch it. It's on YouTube. Celebrity Scissorhands, Steve Strange. It's wonderful. Oh, the greatest thing ever. I don't know how those people sat down with his trembling hands. <laughs> Literally one scene, he's got their like really long fringe <laughs> and he's got a massive pair of scissors and it's just shaking all the way as he's trying to cut it. I was like, Jesus, they're going to lose an eye. <laughs> Do you remember the one where, like, someone comes in and she says, I want my hair to look like Kill Hannah. Yes. She's like, well, I don't know who Kill Hannah is. Um, what's the hair look like? And she doesn't have a phone or anything, so she's just like, spiky. It's got, like, spikes. It's like, it's, it's just uses loads of gel. It makes a single giant spike. She looks like a troll doll. <laughs> I, I wish that Lola did hair like that. I really, really do. That would be everything. That one is one of my favourites. <laughs> Can you imagine Lola just shaving up the back of someone's hair? I'd love to see that. <laughs> did you shave us on this? Nah, nah. I didn't know what was worse when he was with the scissors or with the shaver. <laughs> I love that. So either could have been maimed or your hair was. That was the two choice. <laughs> he was literally told every time, do not use them. Do not use them. Did you use the shaver on that? No. <laughs> no. What were you going for? Well, I was just trying to be creative. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to watch some later. <laughs> I don't know what I need to. I love how I've got off track. Back anyway, on track back to on... Ben's centric episode. The woman did have a Steve Strange style haircut off Lola because... We finally see her at work and she cuts a big chunk out of some woman's hair and Ben takes her off. <laughs> yeah, just drags her off. <laughs> Maybe they'll need their new assistant after all because Lola's not going to be there again. Yeah, she's going to be very busy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did love the whole scene with Lola because, again, that was like another moment where we got to see... Because she's like screaming about her life because she always does whenever she gets... <laughs> emotional she's like screaming and so she's screaming at ben and ben's only hearing every other sentence or every other line um and is having to really concentrate and as he's doing that we're getting a little bit more information but it's really clever they should be very proud of themselves eastenders and i really enjoyed that episode yeah and then lola does basically admit it she slept with peter don't know how well that's gonna go down because ben kind of accepts a little bit what she says doesn't he but we know ben so Lola says, like, don't go and tell Jay, don't hurt Peter. And obviously Ben's not going to be on the job anymore in his eyes because that's pretty much what Phil's just told him earlier. Yeah. Even though he's the muscle. He's the muscle. But Phil's like, no, I'm the muscle. 
Ben is furious and gets drunk in the Albert with Lola's words going around his head and storms off to the car lot with a gun. So it turns out he was probably going to hurt Peter. Yeah, probably. I, I would say there's a good possibility. Emma. <laughs> there's a good possibility. What I did love, though, is that where's all that was going? The one phrase that wasn't rolling around in his head. For all of Lola's flaws, she did say one poignant line, and that was, Ben and Lexi are Lola's family. Yeah. And you would have thought that would have kind of rattled around in his head and stopped him doing something stupid or, or flying off the handle. And I think it is what made him calm down a bit with Lola, mm. but then he still planned on murdering Peter after it. <laughs> 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 but Ben gets distracted because he sees that Phil and Danny are off to the job. So Peter's life is saved in the fact Ben's going to go and follow them and take Gray's car, change the number plates and head off. As you do. Out of everyone's car. Certainly wouldn't take the solicitors. Yes, the person who's actually part of the legal system. I know he's a corrupt um, pillar of the legal <laughs> system, but like, you know, he still knows it quite well. So yes, Ben... Goes off on his adventures, Disney Emma. He's off to the warehouse for a day out or a night out. <laughs> Seriously. Good old night out at the warehouse. Ah, oh, takes me back to my raving days. <laughs> <laughs> I can confirm Connor never had raving days. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm old enough. Where the last of them died out, like in the nineties. No, but raves still happen. Did it? Yeah. My God, I'm shocked. Should we go to one? We should. Let's go to one. <laughs> in a warehouse. At that warehouse. We'll go there. You know when they do tours of the sets, like Corey have one, I think Emmerdale do. EastEnders yeah. really should just for us. Like make a fake set. Like when I went to Friends Fest. Why don't they do that? And one of them, one of the parts of the set that you can go and have pictures with is the warehouse. I would love that. Back on with the topic. We're at the warehouse. Ben's made it in his little uh, stolen vehicle. Adding Grand Theft Auto to his long list of crimes he's committed today. Um, <laughs> it's been a busy day for Ben. <laughs> and, uh, well, uh, the warehouse is a... It's a different warehouse, Emma. I was really devastated. I was expecting it to be that run-down, disused, whatever warehouse it was, with its broken pillars and its crumbling rooms. <laughs> Instead, it was a big flashy warehouse. It had clean walls and everything. Maybe it's been upgraded since. Maybe someone's <gasps> Maybe. done some work. Maybe Keanu's bought it. <laughs> He's bought it and spruced it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be on homes under the hammer. You'll be selling it as <laughs> flats. <laughs> I did love, as like Ben is going through it, right? You know, like we were told before he went there that it was going to be so dark that he would need to be able to hear. But... He just used his phone's light. Yeah, it was actually quite light. And yeah, there was loads of lights everywhere. It's quite bright for a <laughs> pitch black abandoned warehouse. <laughs> I think Phil was lying. I think it was just another excuse to not take Ben. I didn't like the bit where Ben was walking through and touched the blood. Yeah, that was weird. I was like, Ben, do not touch the blood. That's disgusting. But also, his fingerprints are now going to be there. Yeah. So he's not exactly a genius, is he? Not just his fingerprints in there they're also on blood exactly he's murderer <laughs> like, <laughs> like, now he's going to jail for murder i can't get over that whole scene it was so so scary and tense 
Like, I actually felt like Ben when he's creeping through when he's like... When his phone went off. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, by the way, why has he still got his phone with a ringtone when he's deaf? Why doesn't he have it on vibrate? Surely that is more effective. Then again, he definitely heard it. Oh, he did a little. Yeah. So maybe maybe his hearing is still good enough to hear the ringtone. I still think vibrate will probably be more effective, though. His choices of keeping a ringtone basically led to him being captured. Because obviously making a sound when you're in a warehouse that you're burgling probably isn't the best idea to do. No, especially when you weren't invited on the job and mm. you're wandering around and they know the police are after them. And there's people with guns and criminals. Yeah, yeah probably not the best idea, Ben. So he gets captured, doesn't he, Emma? Taken to a lovely bar inside I the warehouse. <laughs> this was no, like, run-down warehouse. This was, like... You know how, like, Michaela has, like, the most luxurious kidnappings? They have like, the most luxurious warehouse. They do? That's the most luxurious... Listen, Danny should start his own business. Warehouse is for you. <laughs> Can't you? That bar and everything looked well sorted for them. Looks like they're there a lot. That little lounge <laughs> area. Little bar. It even had a menu. <laughs> they come there every Saturday. <laughs> like, ooh, we'll go to the warehouse. <laughs> Where do you fancy going for drinks tonight? Warehouse? <laughs> Aye. <laughs> why not? Aye, chicken wagon, why not? <laughs> what kind of burger are you having, Danny? Chicken. <laughs> I bet there's a special cocktail on his menu called the chicken. <laughs> the dirty chicken. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be his burger. <laughs> so... They're captured. Danny is a scheming little chicken, isn't he, after all? He's a scheming little uh, bird, isn't he? Still hate him. Yeah, I despise the man. Um, he, he's just awful. And this just gave me more reasons to hate him, so thank yeah. you, EastEnders. Mine's now off the scale, hatred form. He basically begins torturing Ben, um, throws him around a bit, and then places a gun right beside his ears and fires it. Oh, God, that was awful. I turned around going... <laughs> I think what he's basically done is perforated Ben's eardrum. I'm sorry. I'm really annoyed. What was he achieving from that? Like, what was the point in that? Why do you have to do that? I hate him. I hate him. Who is he? Where did you find him? (laughs) (laughs) Why would you do that? It was absolutely monstrous. And poor Phil, like, having to stand there, you could see it's the worst thing in the world. Phil loves his family and his children more than anything. And when you could see Ben in pain and Ben struggling and suffering and Phil just having to stand there and watch it in anguish was so powerful. It was really, really good. Well, Danny said to Phil that he was there only to take the fall for them. Mm. And were those dead people behind the the seats? Yeah, that's true. I wondered who they were as well. (laughs) Oh, with having a nap. (laughs) I thought this was Danny's warehouse, or is that just him saying it's his warehouse as is in code? Like, it's not his warehouse, but it's his warehouse job. He's got a lot of money in it. It's his warehouse now. Yeah, <laughs> I've just killed everyone. <laughs> they didn't give him the right chicken burger from that bar, you see. Oh, that might be it. So Ben, using his wits, outfoxes this chicken, doesn't he? Him and Phil have a little plan. Well, Danny tells Phil to say goodbye to his son. And like earlier in the day, I thought at the time, I didn't know why Lexi had done beg, but I had a feeling it was foreshadowing something. Um, Yeah, yeah. And obviously later on, we see 
Phil do exactly the same thing to Ben. He signs the word beg because Danny's team of people, whoever they are, were all coming for Ben. So Ben does exactly that and he begs, originally begging for his toast. Now he's begging for his life. Yeah. I thought it was really interesting because obviously we saw like, I think it was the day before, Lexi and Lola were there talking to Phil about learning to sign and like Lexi was showing him what she'd learned. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, the calf, yeah. Yeah, and then Lola was saying, Well, if, if you want to learn so Eva has actually been learning little bits off Lexi and just like picking it up. Or he actually has been learning himself, which I really hope he has been. Well what's really interesting is the idea that if Ben actually had never lost his hearing and this job had went ahead anyway, Phil would not have been able to sign that. No. And they would have probably been at Danny's mercy. Very interesting, isn't it? That mm. Ben's deafness has actually helped the situation. For, like, this is it the has. first time yeah. that it's actually helped Ben in a situation. Because no one else so, would have seen what Phil done because he just done it really lightly, like so next he, to his hip, like mm-hmm. Berg. And it worked. It worked. So Ben begins begging, begging for his life. He's got a daughter. You know, it's really heart-wrenching. And then as they're distracted by his begging, Phil does what Phil does best. Socks it to him. Yeah. He knocks the bloke out next to him, <laughs> like flipping Jet Li style. Turns out Phil is the muscle. And then the, the, the two of them take on the team that Danny has, beat them all up. It's all very, um, you know, action-packed. They're running like they're in a Mission Impossible film. I love it. <laughs> then suddenly Phil's gone. And Ben has this real moment of like, oh, <gasps> And it's like panicked because he can't hear. He's shouting, he's shouting for his dad, but he can't. Obviously, he will never hear his reply. Um, and is getting really worried because Danny is coming up behind him. Thankfully, Phil hasn't left his son. He says, boy, my boy. <laughs> <laughs> Grabs Ben and drags him into this like shady like alcove. And away they go. But then, then Emma, Phil sees the cash. Yeah. They could have escaped scot-free but phil notices that cash and he's like gotta have that gotta have it (laughs) so he picks (laughs) up a piece of metal clunks the guy out of the head and steals a a van i love it steals all the cash from chicken man with the money like as you said they could have just got away but obviously phil needs the money for the vic yeah now danny knows where phil lives is the bit where i'm confused because like Danny could easily come and get Phil at any point. I think it's more along the lines of that Danny wouldn't like to take Phil on head on. Okay. So like Phil will expect an, another attack, like you're saying, from Danny, but Danny would be too scared, I think, to come and do it now. I was wondering if they'd been arrested, but then the next day Jack tells Callum that the people got away. So did they get Danny or did they not get Danny and they just were mean and Phil and Ben? Ooh. Oh, very interesting. Oh, very interesting. So as they're fleeing into the night in their, in Grace's stolen car after transferring the cash, <laughs> and I didn't understand that, that they took that van, right, just to get a Grace car, emptied the cash from the van and then, you know, bolted. I was just like, wouldn't it just been easier just to drive that van? I think it's because the police saw the van, maybe, and that's why, but I loved mm. how Phil took the passenger seat and was like, nah, Ben's driving. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. The whole thing was fabulous. And um, as they're fleeing into the night, Phil notices something's not quite right with Ben, and we do as well. 
I thought that was a really good idea, the way, because you were hearing the sounds that Ben was getting, and then you were, like, hearing little bits of Phil, and then all of a sudden it just went all out, and you were like... <gasps> There's nothing. Potentially, he may have lost his hearing forever. Guess who's back? Back again. Sharon's back. Tell a friend. Guess who's back? Guess who's back? Guess who's back? Is it A20 if we don't sing awfully on it? Like, come on. No, it's not. So Sharon's back and she's let herself into the house and Phil has no idea. Everyone does these days. Jean, Kathy. Everyone just sets themselves in. Well, she did use the back door, and as we know, Phil's back door is always open. Danny, you might want to listen to this podcast because that might come in <laughs> handy in the future when you decide to inevitably come back for your revenge. His back door's always open. His back door's always open. So, in terms of episodes, and like I know they've been going two a week, but normally they'll be four a week. Mm-hmm. So, that would work out. Sharon really hasn't been that long in Australia. She's probably been on yeah. the flights longer. Yeah. I was trying to work out the time. Yeah. We all know that time works differently in EastEnders and Albert Square. Yeah, it was very odd. She was going away for a break, came back within a few days. Yeah. A break all the way around the other side of the world from where she is. And the flights are pretty long. Yes. <laughs> of all the places he decided to go, why would you go visit Vicky? Or like, you know, someone who's a little bit closer. Like... <laughs> She knows plenty of people. Go visit Louise. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Maybe they're not that close anymore, are they? <laughs> um, not, not since well. Christmas. So she's back and her and Phil decide that it's the right time to start talking about the Vic. Get yeah. straight in there. Get straight in there. Sharon's more interested in the tea. Apparently she's had the worst tea ever. I mean, it is true. Tea never tastes the same as you know, England. It really doesn't. Yes, Phil's just kind of... Straight down to business, Sharon's like, can I just kind of have a cup of tea and slip back into my dressing gown before we start talking about the thing? <laughs> I've just been on a 24-hour flight. <laughs> <laughs> and so Phil's like, we've got the thing. It's yours if you want it. I can buy it if you want it. And she decides, maybe, because it's always Phil in the end, isn't it? It's always them in the end. So maybe she will make a go of this. But first, she's got to get that cup of tea. So she heads off to Kathy's calf. <laughs> but Karen's there with Caden. Oh. She can't have her tea in Kathy's calf, so she decides, I'm going to let myself into the Vic because I've already let myself into Phil's. Go do that there. And it's already hers anyway, really, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, she lived there longer than anyone. And then, like, on top of that, she's going to own it again, according to Phil. So she might as well let herself in, make herself at home, put her feet up, have a glass of wine. I love how she gave Phil a fright when she let herself in. And then this time, Linda nearly dies. She gets such a fright. In Phil's situation, it's like slightly different. I would expect him to get a fright. In in Linda's situation, I would expect that reaction because Linda doesn't expect anyone to be upstairs. This is her private home. Yeah. <laughs> Sharon's like, well, there was no one around, so I just let myself in. <laughs> I just love that logic. They have a lovely talk, don't they, Linda and Sharon? I've missed their friendship. I have to be honest, I've missed their friendship. Because it was always rocky when Linda was, like, obviously drinking from a bottle and, like, Sharon lost Denny and, you know, Pizzagate and all of that sort of stuff, mm. like, where she was like, I loved pepperoni pizza! <laughs> like, all of that 
was really heart-wrenching for their friendship and it was just nice to have them chat just um, told Linda that they're making a go of it, her and Phil, and that hoping to get the Vic. And Linda says that if it was going to go to anyone, because she can't have it, she would like it to go to Sharon. It's kind of sad. I don't know that I want the Carters to leave, but then at the same time, I also want Sharon and Phil to own it. I'm in exactly <laughs> the same position. <laughs> <laughs> I keep feeling like guilty when I'm like, God, Sharon, you get that Vic. And then I'm like, Oh, but where's Linda going to live? I know, as long as it's one of those two couples, that's fine. The plan to leave the Vic is just moving on. And the next step is for Sharon to basically tell Phil she's fine, she's going to move into it with him. He's right. It could be a fresh start for them. So they go to toast the future of the Vic with them behind the bars. It should be king and queen of Albert Square. Until Karen and Billy walk in and, you know, ruin all of that because... Sharon sees her baby with another woman. So she goes upstairs to give Linda a hand packing rather than sit and face them. But while they're up there, Linda mm. finds a bag of Denny's stuff on top of her wardrobe. Now, I find it weird. Like, how did they firstly not know it was there? Secondly, mm-hmm. why did they not? Because they knew that you'd been living there, not just go and look for all these stuff and give it to Sharon and Phil earlier. <laughs> I, I do love it. It's almost as if they didn't know he was living there. Like, <laughs> I forgot he stayed here. <laughs> Why was it on top of the wardrobe? Well, this is what's weird. Why was it with Linda? Tell me. We want to know Linda. It turns out in the bag that Denny has left his baby brother a, a bear. So Sharon realises that she's made a mistake. This isn't what Denny would have wanted and she shouldn't have gave Caden to Karen. Exactly. Like, it's what we've all been saying, isn't it? That eventually Sharon is going to snap out of this. Sharon's going to realise once she's come through some of our grief that life goes on and she does still have a child. And children are the most important thing to like Sharon, aren't they? You know, she was told she'd never have them. So to be able to have one and now two, she loves kids. She wants to be a mother. She can't beat herself up about it because at the time... Denny had died, she just had a baby, all those emotions, grieving, so much going on. That poor woman. Yeah, 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 she had a horrific time that year. She's had time to kind of work through some of her problems and some of her feelings. And actually, Clarity has, like, you know, showed her, oh, my God, Denny would not want his sibling to be you know, left with the tailors. Like, <laughs> he just wouldn't. He would want the sibling to have a good life and be looked after by Sharon and, and be loved. For a start, and Denny didn't even like the tailors. <laughs> exactly. He was bullying their, their kids. So Sharon realising that she's made a terrible, terrible mistake, she decides she's going to get that baby back, I think. So we've just spoke about the tailors there and uh, Karen's walking around with Caden and she's like... He looks just like Keanu. Does he? They're all bald. <laughs> so, yeah, they sort of look similar in that regard. He's definitely Phil's. So, and I oh, think yeah. the more they do those references, the more we're like, okay, now just tell where he's Phil's, okay? It's so silly. Come on. It's just Phil's. We know it is. Don't drag it out. Yeah. <laughs> Don't drag this joke out because it won't be funny by the end. <laughs> you know, when Sharon goes, Caden, it's your dad. <laughs> and it turns to the door. We're not expecting to see Darren. Keegan or 
Darren or, or you know, like someone random. Like, we're expected to say, Phil, like, come on. We're all going to be that meme where it's like pretends to be shocked when it actually all comes out. <laughs> Karen's having a leave and do, isn't she? She is. And she's deciding she's going to have a party. She's going to invite all the guests who she wants there. That includes Shirley. A good friend, Shirley. Good friend, Shirley. <laughs> yeah, here. Her children. That's an important one. That's an important one. The ones she's leaving. The ones she's leaving for a random, <laughs> for a random child, baby. grandchild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who's Lovely. not going to be her grandchild when we find out it's Phil. And of course, <laughs> the extra guest. Who's sort of not invited, but then is invited. Sharon. I mean, that kind of makes the party a little bit awkward. Invite the person and the reason why you're leaving. Come over and hang out. Come on in. Do you want a piece of cake? We're leaving because you want us to. Yeah. Say bye to your baby. (laughs) All kinds of awkward. Why did you think that was appropriate? Come on in, Sharon. Join the fun. Shirley's just about to crack open the bottle of wine and start a game of Twister. Like, Sing some karaoke. On. We'll have a lovely night. Take it away, Sharon. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just love it. It was the weirdest party I've ever seen. And she's just like chilling with the baby in the back room whilst everyone else parties. <laughs> it's really weird. I did like when Caden was crying and Sharon picked him up and Karen went, how did you do that? Like when he stopped crying, I was like, well, yeah. Unlike what you're doing, which is looking at all the food you've burned, she's picked him up. Yes! Other than that, what do you mean, how did you do that? It's called giving him attention. That's why a baby cries, Karen. You've had enough, surely you know. You've been planning your party while he's been, <laughs> been crying. Yeah, you're too busy worrying about your, you know, sausage rolls and your mini, uh, what are they called, volivants. <laughs> what I loved the most this week was the fact we find out that Karen is only moving to Croydon and you think she was moving to the end of the world. Oh, yeah. They'd be making out like she's, you know, moving to Australia. I just don't um, understand. It's like you could get on the tube and go and see her. Maybe it's like as soon as you leave Albert Square, there's like a time difference. I think once you leave Albert Square, everything's completely different. It's just a black hole. You're on, <laughs> you're on real time. <laughs> so after her night snuggling with Caden... Uh, Sharon's thoughts are rattling around in her head. She's, you know, she has made a mistake. She knows she's made a mistake. She wants that baby back. But she kind of doesn't also want to break up what she's started again with Phil because they've only just got back on good terms and she's caught. She's she's caught between two things she really cares about and loves and still can't really bring herself to admit what she wants is Caden. She wants her baby. But don't worry. Because why she might not have her baby. <laughs> she just look after everyone else's. Enter Will. <laughs> I was like, mm, do you not think it's a bit insensitive to pass your children over for Sharon to look after when she's not only lost her child, but she's also just gave up the other one and is currently, you know, grieving and yeah. in in a place of distress. I loved it that, like, Billy left Will as if Will can't look after himself. Yeah. And also, why did they drop him off at Sharon's for then Lola to look after him? Why couldn't they not have just stayed at home and Lola could have looked after him? 
So Will's playing away on Denny's Xbox that conveniently Denny left out before he, he left the Mitchell house. It's a bit odd because he also, like, went and stayed at the Vic for a long time. <laughs> like We all know what Phil's been doing. Yeah. Let's be real. That Xbox was away when Denny left. Phil's had that out. He's been playing on Mortal Kombat. He's been playing his Call of Duties. He's been having a right old time. And Will's enjoying it too. He's loving all these games, isn't he, Emma? He's thoroughly enjoying his time playing his dead cousin's games. So he just outright asks if he can have them. And I'm like, whoa, Will. (laughs) Yeah, I was a bit like, this is a bit like Grave Robin. You know, if someone died, would you rip the jewellery from their hands? Like... (laughs) That's what it's like. You know what made it worse is the fact that he'd asked Lola already who had said no. <laughs> He's like... Still ask Sharon. Well, I'm going to go and ask Sharon then. It got even weirder because Sharon did obviously give him the games, but then went, oh, just head upstairs. It's a load of stuff he hasn't worn. Just take all of that. And he oh ran up. Ran, yes. No hesitation at all. <laughs> that kid, you can see him for dust. I know, that kid's a vulture. He was like straight there. I love it. I love it. The whole thing, it just made us think of like, you know, those nature documentaries like Dave Labra. And now the vultures come down to feast on the leftovers. And it's like, that's exactly what he just did. And it's like, now the cousin takes what's rightfully his since the other is gone. It was just so awful. I was like, who pilfers people's stuff after they've died? It's only been a few months. <laughs> He'd be sitting at home loving his life, sat there in a dead person's shirt, playing, wearing daddy's dead underwear, like, <laughs> playing on his Xbox. <laughs> He is becoming Denny. <laughs> he's, just, he's a living shrine. That's what he is, isn't he? He's a living shrine. Dean yeah. should just take a leaf out of his book. <laughs> just wear Daniel's clothes. There is a terrific scene I've ever seen. I remember being like, oh my God. I was like, you can't do that. <laughs> he's like, my time has come. I am Denny. Yes. There can be only one. <laughs> so whilst Will, Will is pilfering and stealing his cousins, his dead cousins, you know, like um, tracks with bottoms. I'm sorry, stuff. we've got to watch Will. There's something strange There's about that boy. with that kid. He's giving us Yorkshire Ripper vibes. Um, yes, whilst he's pilfering the stuff, really his proud dad is, um, you know, busy at telling Sharon how much family means to her hmm you've got two ways of going on this situation haven't you yeah one (laughs) the the cynic in me makes me think that billy is just telling her this so that karen doesn't leave (laughs) the other side of me thinks maybe billy actually cares i can see where you're coming from from both parts because obviously karen's leaving today billy doesn't like goodbyes She's going to Croydon. <laughs> it's as if she's dying. <laughs> <laughs> you will see her. He literally says, I don't like goodbyes. And then goes, I'll see you in a couple of days. We'll meet again. Don't know where. Don't know when. Don't know when. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm 
llama Bejarol Week, Songs of the North. You know when you say goodbye to people when you leave the house or you're driving off, do you think Billy yeah. just shuts the door and just walks off so he doesn't <laughs> yeah, do goodbyes? She's just like, get out! <laughs> I don't do goodbyes. It's like he's going to see her again. Why is he acting like he's not going to when he's literally said he's going to see her again? It totally makes sense now why he wasn't even bothered by Honey leaving. Totally makes sense now because he just hates goodbyes. It's where he even says, he says to Karen, she can't come and see Will. Well, no, because Will's busy being Denny. Yeah, (laughs) Will doesn't exist anymore. (laughs) There is only the shrine of Denny. He's like, oh, you can't come and see Will and Janet because they've already lost Honey. She's not dead! (laughs) I'm like, okay. And um, I just don't want them to have to say goodbye to you as well. And I'm like, she's going to Croydon. You can all get on the tube. (laughs) She's not going to Madagascar. (laughs) Where does he think Croydon is? (laughs) Billy's really bad at geography. He thinks Croydon's actually the name of a little island just off the coast of Australia. Yeah, that's what I feel. <laughs> I love it. The whole thing, it was it was a, a strange mix of like really sad for Sharon, really happy for Sharon, really hilarious at all the weirdness and um, confused by Billy. <laughs> that's how I would summarise Sharon and Karen's journey <laughs> this week. And so then... It's the final hour, isn't it, Emma? It's, it's upon a us. final countdown. Karen Taylor's leaving. She's finished with the square. She loved that job at the laundrette, but it's over now. But it's over now. For now. I love that song. <laughs> <laughs> Phil paid us some money for our new ventures in Croydon. Yeah, for our troubles. <laughs> and she came over to see Sharon and be like, if you want to see Caden before we go, you can. And Phil's like, no. And Sharon's saying no. Mm-hmm. But you can tell she's going to go and do it. And she does. Sharon. Naughty. Should have told Phil. Because that's going to be very awkward when he sees you with that baby, isn't it? <laughs> Look who I've brought home. Yeah. Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I've renamed him Keanu. Oh, my God, imagine. I'll be everything. <laughs> Just in case he doesn't already remind you of Keanu, I've named him Keanu. (laughs) I just love it. So she does go around for a final goodbye, really, doesn't she? And as she holds the baby, suddenly she, all those thoughts she's been having, all those regrets come flooding in. And for a second, she just goes, I want the baby. (laughs) No, she tells Karen to basically stay, that they, they don't have to leave. Phil's confused because they're still infesting the square. And Sharon has some news to break to Phil. She's told them to stay. Yeah. But she also would like Caden to be part of their family. Okay. With all the recent news, it's stories like Keegan's that raise awareness. We here at E20 want to use our platform to show our support for Black Lives Matter. And although we couldn't possibly understand the struggle, we do stand in solidarity. And so we return to the most important story on the square at the minute, and that is Keegan's struggle against prejudice. Whilst the world has been struggling with 
racial politics at the minute. Keegan has also been mirroring a lot of that in his storyline. We've seen him be racially discriminated against uh, for numerous things, including being accused of committing crimes when he's literally nowhere near the, the area. So as we've seen in the, I think it's the previous week, Jack had finally got the body cam footage and that cleared Keegan. So now he's got his letter to prove that he didn't do it, which isn't news to him. He knows he didn't do it. Yeah. We all know that Keegan's innocent. So whilst everyone else is wanting him to celebrate and wanting him to move on, how can he move on knowing that he was put in this situation? And also, how can he move on when he knows he was innocent? So this isn't news to him to celebrate? Exactly. The point is, is that he shouldn't have to be happy that he's innocent. He's always known he was innocent. So I think that's what pe- the people on the square are on grasping at the minute. It's not going to make him forget what's happened. He has been racially discriminated against numerous times. But everyone's expecting him just to kind of pick up and move on. So as we know, Karen's leaving with Caden. And her and Tiff have a little chat together about Keegan. <laughs> and Karen finds Shaquille's trainers. So she passes these over to Tiff because these mean a lot to Keegan. And she says how she wants her to look after him when she's gone, that she worries for him and he's never been the same after what happened to Shaquille. And she thought that he would never get through it, but he has thanks to Tiff. I feel like it's really funny that Karen, I guess it's just, again, because Karen can't possibly understand Keegan's struggles at the minute. She still thinks these are like the effects of, of Keegan losing Shaquille. And yes, to to some element, maybe he's still holding on to grief around Shaquille's death. But the problems that Keegan's facing at the minute are not to do with Shaquille. They're to do with racism. And Karen is just kind of like, just leave it. Like she says herself, he needs that. But then she's just like, right, I'm off to Croydon. So armed with Shaquille's trainers, Tiff goes to see Keegan, who's at work and he's he's had good business that day. He couldn't be happier that they found the trainers because they mean the world to him. Yeah, Shaquille did. like best friends, trainers, yeah. like, you know, the only thing he has left of, of him. And then Keegan's regular comes round. However, today... Keegan's regular shows his true colours. Yes. He wants to join forces and we find out that he's wanting them to get some gear. And Tiff, bless her, immediately attacks this this man very publicly and verbally, like saying, accusing him of, of racially profiling her boyfriend. But Keegan is a little bit dubious about her now getting so irate because... She is doing this without any sort of understanding of the consequences. Well, he says that, yeah, she can say whatever she wants, but when people see him and they'll make assumptions, mm-hmm. and if he ran his mouth off the same way she's just done, he could be arrested for it. Yeah, he says it himself. He says he would be arrested if, if he shouted the way she was shouting. He would be seen as creating a public disorder or something, and he would be, he'd be locked up. So this guy comes back. He comes back with a lot of people. They all come over, smash up all of Keegan's stuff, spray everything. The worst part is, half the square are just watching, going, quite faintly, may I add, stay out of it. No, yeah. don't, don't do yeah, that. Yeah, Don't do that. Oh, yes, because firstly, they can hear you. Secondly, why would you just stand there and say that and just watch the entire thing? 
There's like hundreds of you was... and there's like five yeah. of them. There was like, I don't know, like 50 people standing there and like five horrible little thugs smashed everything up and they just watched them do it. But I didn't know whether that was deliberate. What if that was a kind of a representation of people just standing by yeah. when racism is occurring? It kind of felt like a mirror that. It did was, actually, was, yeah. I was impressed by it. So the next day, Keegan goes off to see Karen because he's been thinking and Karen decides to give the money Phil gave her so he can sort out the van. He doesn't want to take it because he's decided that he's going to leave with Karen, which after everything he's been through, you can understand why in his head he just wants to get out of this place. Yes. Tiff doesn't know this though. So meanwhile, Mm. Tiff is in the cafe chatting to Denise and... Denise is checking in on her and see how she's coping and she's saying how maybe people were right, maybe we were too young to get married and Denise is reminding her to be loving and supportive, stay strong, don't give up and she's saying how much she loves them and that they've made vows uh, that they're going to be with each other all the way. I thought it was nice to see Denise doing that because Denise is another person who's been very involved. She was the one who, who managed to get through to Jack who also didn't didn't understand Keegan's point of view. She got through to Jack when no one else could. I love Denise's involvement in this storyline. Yes. Because she speaks so sensibly and educates each and every one of them. It's just so good to see. I did love as well that like when she was meeting Tiff, she brought her like all of the like grotty magazines from like the hairdressers. She's getting Lola's <laughs> job because you know Lola's never at work. Yeah. <laughs> I love it, though. And I love Denise. I think she's fab. Denise is always there when people need her. I love her. Isn't she? If you ever have something you want to talk about, you know, you could talk about it to Denise. Exactly. She loves a goss anyway as well. That's why I like her. She loves a good goss. I think we should invite Denise round for a cup of coffee. Oh, she'd love that. She'd love that. When Corona's over. When Corona's (laughs) over, we'll invite more Denise round. So Tiff's off to go and speak to Keegan. She knows what she wants to say. She spoke to Denise. But Keegan tells her he's got... 10 minutes and he's off. Oh, okay. I mean, that's kind of like Tiff's reaction at first, isn't she? She's like... She's like, oh, what? Oh, okay, I'll come help. And he's like, <laughs> I'm leaving. No. Leave, leaving you. <laughs> but what's going to happen to Tegan now? I know. It's time for this week's Hero of the Week. This week's hero has done a brave thing. An honourable thing. It's Max. He really did do us all a service, didn't he? He saved the day this week because he took down a dangerous drug trafficking ring. It's time for this week's Slippin' Jan. And this goes to two people who have hurt us deeply <laughs> for crimes against Stacy. It's Martin and Ruby. <laughs> and that's all we're going to say. We don't want to talk about that. It's time for this week's ratings. And as Max was our hero of the week, as you're probably surprised about. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, he is like, what's it called when they like take down drug trafficking rings? What's the like the group? Um, like Narco Squad. He's Narco Squad. He's Ender's Narco Squad. He's very important to that square. And he's had a bit of a rough week, Emma, so we've got to give him something. I mean, oh, he's yeah. Been dumped, 
friend. He's like, had it rubbed in his face such as sleep with other men. Like, <laughs> That's true. He's basically alone. He's um, not really one of the chucks. <laughs> like, you got to give him something. <laughs> give him something. We couldn't kick him again while he was down. <laughs> <laughs> Well, as he is our hero of the week, we will be rating out of maxes. Yay! And this week, we're going to give the episodes 3.5 maxes. For me, it has to be 3.5 maxes only because I would have actually rated this as a 4 or 4.5 if it was just off of like the Ben episode mm-hmm. and like the Keegan storyline. Like, but I feel like some of their filler stuff just wasn't up to scratch. I agree. There was bits where I was like, I don't really understand why it's in like the threesome stuff. <laughs> it was just yeah. the most odd filler. Uh, I really enjoyed the Ben episode. So that would have been higher if it was solely on like Ben and as you say, Keegan. I think for me, with where it would have been bigger is when, if we maybe ended on the Ben episode. The episode that came straight after the, the Ben centric episode really was a downer. Like the next day, everyone was like, oh. <laughs> what was that? Yeah. What was that? I think that's the problem. Because that episode, like you're saying, was so good. I felt like you want to. Like I felt like you want a high, and then it kind of went. Oh. <laughs> That's the problem because they didn't follow up that episode with any like real great stuff. This week's episode is sponsored by Ruby's Delivery Service. If you can't get the attention of a friend's husband, why not send a delivery addressed to you? We'll make sure that your Mister Wrong is the one to deliver it. If this doesn't work, buy a house and ask him to help you move in. Hope you enjoyed the fireworks. Good night.